Amalgamaniacs, Retroids from Retroidoctopus, Weebs from Anime Universe, all of our associated anime friends to your next episode of Cats. I am Taryn Barber, president of Amalgamania, and joining me tonight is Shelby Croto. Hello. <laughs> so I'm actually the, really the guest on this show, Cast <laughs> is done by uh, Shelby and Ian when they do reviews, but tonight... Shelby and I are going to talk about The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is um, on Netflix, and it's the um, follow-up to The Haunting of Hill House, although the stories are not related. They're so not. Into, yeah, <laughs> like not at <laughs> all. So we're going to get into um, some of the demographic information about the show, and then we'll talk about our personal and critical reviews, as well as the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we also have the key word for you guys, if you're participating in the Epic Airways Podcast Network uh, Scarathon, our first annual Scarathon. You know that there's a word you're listening for during this episode, so we'll be giving that out as well. So to start, Shelby's going to go through some of the demographics of the show and let you know who's in it, um, who created it, and all that good stuff. Okay, so The Haunting of Bly Manor, it falls under a drama, supernatural, even like a horror-type-based TV show. Um, it was created by Mike Flanagan. Uh, it was made here in the United States. Some of the executive producers is Daryl Frank, Justin Falvey, uh, Trevor Macy, Mike Flanagan. Um, cine- cinematography was done by James uh, Neist and Maximin Alexandra. Uh, editors, Brian Jeremiah Smith and Mike Flanagan. Uh, the production companies, obviously Paramount, everyone knows that, but... Some of the other ones is Intrepid Pictures and Amblin uh, Television. You, of course, can find this on Netflix. Uh, I think it was released October 9th of this year. And it's only nine episodes, so it's definitely something you can try and binge watch. But I know each episode is about 46 to 66 minutes uh, each. Um, some of the star-studded cast, we have Victoria Pedridi as Danny, we have Oliver Jackson Cohen as Peter, Amelia Eve as Jamie, uh, Tania Miller as Mrs. Gross, uh, Kahul Coley as Owen, uh, Tarira Sharif as Miss Jessel, Amelia Bay Smith as Flora, Benjamin Even uh, Ainsworth as Miles, and it just goes on and on and on like this is definitely a star-studded cast some of them you probably recognize from hill house but it definitely threw me off at first because i thought it was going to be a continuation of the last story so when i saw some of the characters and they were not being called by their old names i was like wait what's happening right now (laughs) i thought the same thing and I, i was kind of disappointed that it wasn't a continuation yeah um and just uh right now i know it's still a fairly new series uh right now it's being rated a 7.5 out of 10 so that's pretty good especially for tv shows because i know usually they get rated a little lower than that i would actually agree with that rating uh, i was thinking about that as you said yeah yeah i can see a 7.5 and yeah. fair warning i've seen um the whole series shelby i've <laughs> seen everything but the last two but she has given me permission to yes. uh, talk about spoilers, so <laughs> don't it's think okay. I, I think maybe <laughs> you spoiling it for me may give me some clarification <laughs> on some things that are happening. Yeah, you know, probably not. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> so 
that might be the reason for the 7.5. And I resisted the urge because I know there's Netflix, I'm sorry, YouTube videos explaining um, Blind Manor. And I resisted the urge to watch any of those because I wanted this to be as authentic a review as possible. So I can't say um, that even having seen all the episodes, there's probably, um, like, I still have questions. So I don't know how, how much I would be able to even clarify anything. Man, I feel like I'm going to have to go and watch some of these YouTube videos to, like, clarify some notch for me. <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, the cast, director, and all that good stuff. Um, we're getting into our personal reviews. Um, Shelby, why don't you go first? Um, and then I'll follow up. Um, so my overall review of this, I mean, like Taryn had said, I haven't seen the last two episodes. And so far, it is phenomenal. Like, the cinematography is very good. And something I really love about this series is, obviously, it is supposed to be more horror-based. Usually, a lot of the times, you see jump scares at night. This one you have some like during the day. I know that's why uh what was it? Um Oh my gosh, it's not the conjuring. But um it had like the same cast, but I know it's very popular and the thing that most people raved about was that there was jump scares during the middle of the day, which mm-hmm. that's not usually something you see cuz obviously it's a lot easier to get people's adrenaline going and scare them when everything's dark and creepy. But when you're able to do a jump scare right in the middle of the day, I think that definitely is a testament to the writers and obviously the cinematographer and the actors as well. But like me and Taryn were saying, um, we, I'm a little confused. <laughs> so, yeah. um, one of the episodes in particular that really threw me off was the one entirely of Mrs. Gross, where it was pretty much her jumping from memory to memory. Yeah. And especially towards the end of that, I don't know if I should spoil it or not. Oh, go ahead. So towards the end of that episode, you see her get pushed into a well and die. And so now I'm like, it, is she actually dead? Like, what is happening? And I'm like, because usually ghosts can't touch people, but obviously I've seen, like, the woman from the pond or the lake or whatever, like, kill the one guy. And I, I'm very confused on what's happening. How are they jumping from memories to memories? Like, are they just, like, stuck in, like, a weird time loop? Like, I feel, like, because how that whole episode made it seem to me is that she's, like, a ghost and is just, like, jumping from, like, different time loops and stuff. Because then, like, some of the loops, like, are changing, and I'm like, or is she just sleeping and dreaming? I'm so confused. <laughs> <laughs> that episode in particular, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, she she can jump time. Like, like oh, that was my thought. She's a time traveler. Yeah. <laughs> but she's not. So, but, but, yeah, I remember watching that episode and thinking the same thing. Like, first of all, why is this entire episode about her? And then, um, and then yeah, what is going on here? Had it, and when she kept going back to that same moment at the table where she's interviewing Owen for the job, and she actually asks him, are, are we doing this again? <laughs> and he exactly. Says, yes, and then he just continues the conversation. So that was bizarre, too, that the people inside these memories that she was encountering also realized that this was being replayed over and over again. So that's when a part of me had thought it was just a dream, specifically because the very next episode after that, 
Flora had jumped into a memory and they had even said, this is just a memory. And then she had gotten woken up. So part of me is like, are they just reliving all of this in their head? Or I'm, I'm still very bamboozled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I am too on, um, on some parts uh, for me, I, I, the confusion I think was probably um, one of the annoying aspects of the show because it didn't like wrap itself up by the end. So like with, uh, with Miss Gross, we find out what's going on with her um, by the end of the show. But other things like um, Danny's fiance that she had broken up with, um, the way that he just kind of disappeared. He's haunting her from the very first episode. You see his glasses reflected in glass and in mirrors. And then um, there's a point where she sets his glasses on fire. She throws them into a bonfire and then we just never see him again. And I kept expecting him to come back because it doesn't seem like getting rid of a ghost would be that easy. If in fact he was a ghost, <laughs> that's another thing. I don't know if he was just a figment of her imagination that whole time and wasn't actually haunting her. So what's real and what's not. Um, it continues, it, it was an issue throughout and I can understand why you would want that to be in um, and a horror story. But I think as a viewer, I couldn't really tell the difference either. So I told um, Shelby that I was resisting the urge to watch any explainer videos on YouTube about this. <laughs> but I think I'm gonna rewatch the whole series just to see if there were things that I could catch that I didn't catch on the first time. Um, I agree, cinematography was amazing. The house itself is phenomenal. Um, Blind Manor is absolutely gorgeous, and it looks like the setting for a ghost story. Um, I think the story itself took a little bit too long to develop. By the time we find out what's going on with that house and exactly who the woman in the lake is, I think it's one of the very last episodes. Yeah, because I was going to say, I haven't watched the last two episodes, and I still have no clue who this woman is. Yeah, there, there's an episode that is just about her. Um, kind of like with the Hannah Gross episode. So you have this episode, I think it's the second to last, and it's just about this woman and um, her life uh, in that house. But it happens so late um, that I think that lessens the impact by the time you find out who she is. And the story, her backstory is awesome. So I would have loved to, seen, um, to have seen that, more of that in the beginning. And her backstory itself is, um, it's sad, but not in the traditional um, kind of sad, like her, her parents died and um, she grew up an orphan. It, it was nothing like that, but still uh, sad in its own way, in the way that um, her life panned out. And it turns out, um, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, but one of the reasons why she ended up being such a persistent presence is because of her will. So it was like the power of her will alone that made her um, have this sort of gravitational pull over this property and it's also what kind of kept her um not necessarily alive but kept her as a presence um in blind manor or on that estate itself and that's an awesome backstory and i would love to see more of that sooner. that is that's a that's a very cool concept that yeah. like a spirit is able to have like so much pool and so much presence just mm -hmm. by the sheer power of their will exactly it's <laughs> pretty intense it is it is so it's it's basically a was a personality trait 
um, from when she was alive. She was extremely, you know, stubborn. She was nobody's pushover, very, you know, strong, powerful female figure um, during a time when women weren't supposed to be powerful. And that aspect of her personality was so strong that it affected her and affected um, the, the land itself after her death while she, you know, stayed there as the time passed. So that was a very cool um, backstory. In relation to um, The Haunting of Hill House, I would say Blind Manor wasn't as scary. Um, the, I, I still have images of Hill House very vividly in my head. For example, the scene where, and I forget all the characters' names, but when two of the sisters yeah. were driving and um, the third sister pops up out of the back seat. <laughs> that was that, a jump scare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean... And I know another one of the parts that I still have ingrained in my brain is like when they're in the funeral home and you just see her like just standing there out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Like, I definitely think Hill House was better with the jump scares because I noticed in Bly Manor, I wasn't really as on the edge of my seat as I was in Hill House. Because with Bly Manor, I was more, I felt like it wasn't as much as like a thriller. I felt like it was more of like a puzzle type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like you you were trying to piece together what was going on instead of like having that like adrenaline like we did from Hill House where we were constantly being like shocked or like scared with the jump scares and stuff. But I mean it it still was a a good story, but I definitely don't think they had as much of that horror aspect as Hill House did. I agree in terms of the jump scares Hill House was definitely much better. Um, in terms of that, I think the overall creepiness, um, like with that man who had the bowler hat on and the cane and he's using his cane, but he's not actually walking. He's like levitating. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was uh, creepy. And the depth of the character's backstory, I think, was portrayed better in uh, Hill House as well. So critically, um, I would say the characters, some of the characters lacked... Uh, depth or the depth didn't come through the way that the story is organized I think affected um, how well I was able to empathize with the characters or even understand what it was that was going on um, this probably would have been better in my opinion as a um, a series with like multiple seasons I agree. I think yeah. they were trying to shove too much into only a couple episodes. Right. And like you said, it was only nine episodes. And I did watch it. I watched all nine in a single day. I was off from work that day. So I started in the morning and just watched them all um, that day. And if they had dragged it out, oh, like there could have been an entire season um, just about the woman in the water. and her, Oh, for her sure. And I mean, the thing that really threw me off was... I think it was like one of the starting episodes like you see Flora's dollhouse and you see all these different dolls yeah. and people I'm assuming that represent ghosts in this house mm -hmm. but 90% of them were not brought up or even talked about yeah and I was very excited when I had saw that because I thought we were going to see something similar to Hill House where like you would see like how they had all the Easter eggs of like different ghosts hiding throughout. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to see something very similar where like you would just see random creepy ghosts like throughout this manor, but they didn't address like any of them. And I was yeah. like, 
what's happening? Because some of like some of the dolls were really creepy, and I was very curious to see like what would happen with those. So I thought it would be a cool, definitely a longer series, or made it into like multiple seasons, right? Because then they could have like touched base on just more than just the one ghost, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and I would say by the end you you see um, some of those ghosts who were in the dollhouse, but it's very brief. So, and, I, and I'm wondering, did we miss some Easter eggs? <laughs> if we go back and watch, will you see some of those ghosts, like, floating around? I was around looking the for them hard, too, because <laughs> I know in Hill House, I, I missed a good bit of them, and I ended up watching a YouTube video where they had pointed them out. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, I'm definitely going to make sure I catch them this time. And I'm like, either I'm blind, <laughs> or I... Right. I I just think they didn't do it again this time, but I, I thought they were going to, which I thought would have been a cool, like, tie-in to, like, Hill House. Yeah. But I, I was a little let down by that. Yeah. And regarding the characters, I was thinking about the relationship between um, uh, Peter Quint and Rebecca Jessel. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, and that, I, I it, it was bizarre. And I think to, to a certain extent... Um, unbelievable like sad for sure and there are certain oh, things, yeah. regarding rebecca jessel there, there are certain things that just i don't know <laughs> like you said it didn't make sense still points of confusion so it, it, on some level it's even hard to talk about because there's still this part of me like i i really don't understand what was happening um but with peter and rebecca he i don't in, in my opinion was not a redeemable um character the way that he manipulated rebecca even after um, their deaths. And I don't know if you saw this part yet, but the reason why she died was because of him. So that, that part I had not seen yet. I had saw that how he had died. And I was like, oh, that still doesn't excuse you for being a piece of shit while you were alive. <laughs> right. So I'm like, you, you kind of deserved it. I don't think I feel bad for you. Yeah, exactly. And he ends up being the, the reason why she dies and it's for a very selfish reason so now she's there with him and he comes up with this plan um for them to like be together after death and be able to leave uh blind manor and it's it's it involves the children and it involves danny and um he was just an asshole <laughs> like i said I, I could not stand it but maybe that's part of it if i feel that way about that character he did some uh some really good acting but i find it hard to believe that um, Rebecca Jessel's character would have been um, that naive or had been so smitten with this man. I mean, she's a young, beautiful I, woman. I agree. Very smart. Um, like, he was not the only option. Um, so, that was... I, I mean, know, especially because a lot of the other characters had brought up how intelligent she was, like, yeah. how caring she was. And I'm like, I do understand, like, that toss like, toxic and abusive relationships can be very manipulating and can, like, make someone question their self-worth. But from, like, the clear signs, and especially from the first time he had, like, snapped at her, she was like, you're never going to talk to me like that again. Right. So seeing, like, that kind of fire back, like, back at him, I was like, okay, so she's not, like, afraid of him. But I'm like, I'm confused on how she would, like, just listen to him willy-nilly even after that. Exactly, exactly. And then even um, when she takes him back, 
like after that episode, it was it was really. It was very quick. Uh huh. Like as soon as he's like, "Oh, that yeah, that will never happen again," and then she's like, "Okay, yeah, we're back together." (laughs) Right. I don't know if that's realistic. I'm like, usually yeah. you kind of give them a trial period mm-hmm. to like prove that they're not going to like do that again. Exactly. Exactly. And then you have the story, of course, the entire story being told as a type of a uh, frame narrative where the story doesn't start as the story. It's, it's a wedding party and this woman starts telling this story and then you get the story of Bly Manor. And by the end that um, it becomes a little bit clearer who those people were. Um, and that opening scene in the wedding, um, it becomes clearer by the end who those people were, but still the setup is a little, I don't know. It it was uh, a little bizarre. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. If you've ever watched the movie Willow, it reminded me of that. Yeah. Where like the intro, it's just like someone just, oh, telling a story. It made me think of like an old timey type of like setting. Absolutely. Where they're just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell you a story, and then the entire, like, movie or show is about this story. And I'm like, you're just not going to, like, give any clarification yeah. on that? Right. It's, it reminds me of Frankenstein. Um, uh, Frankenstein is told as a series of letters. So in the beginning, you have um, Victor Frankenstein on the ship talking about um, how he, he's just trying to escape the monster. And then he goes into telling the story of how all this stuff started to happen. So it's kind of like that, where the story is being told in hindsight, um, which could mean that the narrator is um, possibly unreliable. And I'm sorry, this is just occurring to me right now. (laughs) That's kind of weird because the person telling the story is one of the characters um, in the story. She was one of the people who was there at Blind Manor when all of this was happening. And I'm wondering how was she? Was. Yeah, she was. Um, she was. Do you want to know? Yeah. Yes. Feel free. <laughs> the woman telling the story was Jamie, the gardener. Oh. Yeah. Like, yeah, and even that detail, even by the end, I was like, was that her? <laughs> Is that like, really that's her? a little bizarre because I mean, like, if they were trying to picture her as like someone older, you would think they would keep the actual actress that played Jamie and just like do some makeup and stuff on her and like because i know the actress that they had like being the narrator they did makeup and you can tell they put like a wig and stuff on her i like they right. easily could have did that for the actress that actually played her mm-hmm. so then that would have made a little bit more sense because they look nothing alike i so, actually thought it was the same person it's not no it, it's completely different actresses oh, wow so yeah, I don't know why they would have done it that way. Oh yeah, I see older Jamie. Oh wow. Huh. But yeah, so it's it, very bizarre. Right. Who's who's telling the story? And um so there are several people actually gonna open a scene who are actually at um Blind Manor, but I'm wondering how she would have known the backstory of the house when it gets to that episode. She's still the one telling the story about the woman and the water and what her life was like and all that. And I'm wondering now how she would have known that. Yeah, that's definitely I think it's just interesting writing yeah on this part because i mean i understand what they were trying to do like oh let time for ghost story type thing but there's definitely some things that she as the character just wouldn't know yeah like you said how would she know the backstory about that Mm -hmm. or i mean for example the affair 
yeah and stuff that's not something she would really know as well right so some something's not adding up here yeah <laughs> yeah but maybe it's like atonement where at the end of the, the story you find out the narrator's just been lying the whole time so i'm not sure how that's also true <laughs> yeah how um I guess, accurate her retelling of events is because we're essentially because she's the narrator, we're just getting the events from her perspective. Like everything we see portrayed in these episodes is, is from her telling the story and from her memory. And we know that memory is extremely unreliable. So it, it, it's interesting that there is no third person omniscient view of what was going on in this house. I mean, I almost feel like they didn't even need that like intro part at all like right. it would have made much more sense if they just kind of left that out and just jumped right into the story itself because mm -hmm. i definitely think the narrator part confused it a bit yeah i agree i agree and we're kind of getting into the good the bad and the ugly um but yeah. before we get to that we're going to take a brief commercial break um we have a podcast competition uh well there's not a competition between the podcasts. <laughs> it's a contest um, where you can win by listening to several different podcasts. So I'm going to take a commercial break and give you some details about that. And then we'll be back to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's time for the first annual Epic Airways Podcast Network Scarathon. Eight great podcasts, nine amazing episodes, one epic prize to win. Listen for the keywords in each episode, then put all words together to form a single sentence. From October 22nd till Fright Night itself, October 31st, listen to these great shows. Amalga Cast, Amalga Files, Epic Tales Podcast, Epic Tales of Darkness, Epic Tales from the Sewers, Retro Red Octopus, those not-so-super dudes, and Throwdown Thursday. Be sure to check out the post in Amalgamania for official rules, details, and prize. Good luck, and stay creepy. And welcome back. As you just heard, we have nine amazing episodes for you to listen to from eight different podcasts. And you are listening for a word in this cast, and the word you are listening for is got g-o-t got is your word from this episode of amount cast remember that there's another episode of amount cast coming out on the 30th um it's slay part two i'll be talking to another one of the authors from the slay anthology so you'll get a word from that one too so that's why amount cast is listed twice and so remember that you're listening to all the different casts you are sending the word and the podcast it came from to Andy Doyle. You're putting all the words together to form a sentence. And if you are the first to put them all together with the correct sentence, you are going to win an, um, a t-shirt, an Epic Airways Podcast Network t-shirt that has the names of all the podcasts on it. You're also going to get a set of Scarathon coffee mugs, and you are getting a surprise horror-themed action figure. So again, your word for this particular episode is gut. All right, now we are moving on to everybody's favorite part, the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we talk about what we liked about the show, things that were amazing. Um, the bad doesn't necessarily have to be a bad element of the show. It could be something that happened in the show that was bad, um, which is the same for the ugly. Maybe something happened 
that was just horrible. So this isn't so much about bashing the shows as it is about picking out um, the details and separating them into these different categories. So we can actually, we can do all three at once. Um, and I can start, I'll start. Um, so the good of the show, I liked, um, I liked the children. I liked the authenticity of the children. Like these were kids who acted like kids and they had suffered this tragedy, um, this trauma in their lives of their parents dying and were coping with that as best they could. And I thought that their behavior was really indicative of, of having to go through something like that. So I really liked that. I also liked how this wasn't just confined to a ghost story. So we don't just see ghosts. We also see um, projections of people's imaginations. And we see that with um, their uncle, Henry, where he has almost like a, a split personality. This other side of his consciousness comes out and we see him talking to himself. So it's not just about the ghosts. It's also about um, parts of ourselves coming out as separate entities, which I thought was really interesting because Henry didn't have to be dead for this other piece of himself to come out and appear in the same way that a ghost might appear. Um, the bad, I think that, I don't know, that I think the pacing of the story was just off. Like I was saying before, I think that this would have been better as a, um, a show with multiple seasons instead of just one. I think that some of the characters could have used more development. Um, and the ugly, I think the ugly is Peter Point. <laughs> he's the character. He's just that all just, ugly. I know. <laughs> Everything about him. Right. He's the character that I just can't get, oh, how, how selfish he was. And even to the extent of, I think this is what really bothers me about him, using the children to try to achieve his own ends. Um, so by the time the the um, the show is ending and we get to that last episode, we find out um, what Peter has been doing with the children and what he's trying to accomplish and using them to try to achieve his own ends, which was just wrong on so many levels. And it's not like he was ever presented as a good person, but I think it was still just um, ugly that he would basically try to take over the lives of these children. Um, not even kill them, just kind of take them over, which I think is is probably worse than death um, because some piece of the children, I imagine, would still remain. So there is my good, bad, and ugly. Shelby, what about you? Oh, I mean, obviously we've already talked about a good bit, but I think the good for me, the biggest thing is Jamie. I loved her as a character, specifically when she was talking to Danny during... Uh, the part with the moonflowers when she was describing like death. And I'm like, that's yeah. such a beautiful way to describe death. Like everyone dies and we just like, re like refertilize and come back. And like, just how like that scene in general was just very moving. And I like, I also love obviously the representation for the LGBTQ community. Cause I mean, at the beginning, I had originally thought that Owen and Danny were going to have a thing together. So then when you kind of saw, oh, that's not the case, I was like, yeah. oh, <laughs> I, was, I was pretty surprised by that, especially because, like, not a lot of shows like to have um, 
a a gay like a gay couple front and center. Right. So that that was really cool to see that as like the representation. The bad for me, I mean, I pretty much have to agree with you. Like the like the sequences were very bizarre. And I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like flashback type stuff if they're not done properly. I do know when me and Ian had talked about uh, Umbrella Academy, we loved the flashbacks for that because it made sense. With this, obviously, they were jumping from memories to memories. And like I said, it just kind of confused me a lot because I couldn't tell what was reality and what was just a memory. Mm-hmm. Which, if that was what they were going for, they did an excellent job. But I think at the same time, it, it just confused me. And it left me curious on what is even happening right now. Because, like I said, I couldn't tell if they were dreaming, if they actually are just, like, stuck in a weird time loop. Where they're, like, going from, like, different places and they're stuck in their own minds. Right. So, so for that, for me, I'd have to say is the bad um, the ugly for me, I'm going to say the specific scene where uh, the woman from the lake had killed Peter. That scene, it definitely startled me. Oh, yes, definitely. I, like, I think out of the whole series so far, that was probably the best jump scene. Because, I mean, usually you see them, like, coming up behind you and stuff. She came, like, bolting from, like, the side of him and just, like... Yeah took him down and that scared the crap out of me and i was like oh okay this is getting a little serious now right and in that same refrain we didn't even talk about how the ghosts um don't have faces like their faces (gasps) are starting to erase exactly so the intro alone when they had like all the cast and then like would blur out their faces Mm -hmm. that part with the ghosts where they like had gotten rid of their faces and like their identity like i thought that was a really cool touch because like when you become, like, a, a spirit or something, you're not, like, your whole self, I would think. You pretty much lose pieces of yourself or, like, your identity, in a sense. Yes, and to be honest, that's probably the most frightening thing about this show. It's just that idea um, that these people, or some of these people have been dead for so long that they have forgotten who they are. So just that sense of... of losing yourself at one point even if there is life after death at one point you won't remember who you were your name and what you cared about um that is terrifying to me and i know um i can't remember what book i was reading but someone had said like like once you get to a point like all you have left is like your emotions in a sense so like for her all she had was like just anger in a sense like she was a very malevolent spirit like couldn't remember who she was what she stood for like her identity Mm -hmm. all she knew was like like evil in a sense all she knew was if anyone's in her way she's going to hurt them yeah so i definitely thought that was really interesting but i think i think you you pretty much hit the nail on the head with the ugly part and i mean (laughs) don't get me wrong the actor was very good and obviously oh, yeah, is a very good looking man but just everything about that character was so ugly and it it was it was a little frustrating trying to watch him and i'm like man you're dead and now you're still messing things up i <laughs> thought he was gonna be long gone once he finally died and i'm like oh thank god and no he's still messing everything up yeah. absolutely um, I want to add one more good. I thought it was very cool. You find out what happens to everybody after 
they leave the house. So after they move away from Blind Manor, um, it still follows them in that last episode and you find out what happens to them. And that might be part of the reason for um, the frame narrative, the way the story is set up, part of the um, explanation for what happened to the characters who survived um, leaving Blind Manor. So that, that was kind of cool too, because usually we don't find out what happens um, after the horror uh, is is over. Um, I would say the ending sucked for Danny when it's up happening to her, but even she still got to live out um, some pretty good years before before the very end. So I think that was a good too. Um, that oh, it, it has some I follow think, through. I think I want to add in one more good too. Like now that we're oh. like kind of talking about it. Uh-huh. So I also liked Danny's character in a sense that like it looked like they took aspects of what PTSD is like. Yeah. And I feel like that's what she was going through. Like, I don't think she was seeing the actual spirit, but she was seeing, obviously, like, flashbacks and, like, having those symptoms of PTSD. And I thought that was, like, very interesting. Because, I mean, obviously, mental health isn't something that most series and stuff even touch on. And usually, if they do, it's not accurate. But when you look at her, you're like, yep, she clearly has PTSD. Like, very sense. prominent. Yeah. That makes total sense that she would just be because the way that she sees him is how she saw him in the second before he died. So it makes sense that that, that image of him just keeps flashing over and over again to the extent that her life um, is deteriorating to a certain extent. She can't function. She has to cover the mirrors and she sees him even in glass. So this, this exactly. And I mean, that's a, yeah. a very like prevalent thing like with PTSD is like it's sometimes it's very hard to cope. And sometimes you do feel like you're crazy. So like, I know she had mentioned like to Jamie, like I'm like, I think I'm, I'm crazy. And I mean, Jamie had like reassured her and stuff like that. And so, I mean, I, I definitely think that was like a really cool thing that they had touched on. Cause I think that can be something relatable to some people. Absolutely. Like even though she was going through the, like through this she was still able to find happiness with someone yeah that and it's also another play on the idea of being haunted so we have danny who's haunted by this experience of seeing her fiance um killed and the guilt she feels because of that because he's killed right after um they have an argument so she has to struggle with that and then you have henry um being haunted by this other persona of himself and then you have the haunting of the house um by this actual entity who's still there who died in that house a long time ago so different perspective of perspectives of what it means to be haunted throughout the series and that's pretty cool too yeah definitely guilt can can stay with you a lot longer than a ghost yeah and i'm like and i definitely thought that was a really cool take absolutely Absolutely. All right. We are drawing to a close. Um, trying to think of lingering questions that I have. I think the lingering questions I have in relation to this series is just identifying everybody who was there at the end. So talked about Jamie um, as the person telling the story. And there are some other characters in the opening scene who were also at Blind Manor when it happened and identifying who's who. Um, I, I'm probably am going to look this up now. <laughs> now that we've done this episode, I'm probably going to watch some of those explainer videos to find out what was going on um, with that. And also just the idea of 
when they were moving from memory to memory. I still find that um, cause it, like, were they uh, unconscious in a sense, or was it about the power of the mind um, that we are only alive or only really alive inside our own heads? So you can place yourself back at a point and it's just as real as when it first happened. Like, I'm so confused about what, what was trying to be communicated about the fact that they were jumping memories like that. Exactly. Um, and I mean, and if any listeners like are picking up on something that we just have not, please let us know. Oh, absolutely. I absolutely. mean, I, I also definitely plan on watching those two episodes and probably immediately watching some YouTube videos to figure <laughs> out what is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I would say overall, um, not a bad follow-up to Hill House. Um, very different stories. And I think coming into it with um, certain expectations might have uh, maybe skewed my perception of the show a bit. But, I mean, as, as a standalone by itself, it was a cool story. And um, I, I want to know more about Viola, the woman in the lake. So I, I want to know more about this backstory. I don't think one episode was enough. So. That, that was... Um a cast member I didn't even mention because I had saw Viola come up on the characters and I'm like, who is that? And I'm like, I don't remember seeing a Viola. <laughs> and so like, I didn't even mention that character when I was reading through the cast. Cause I'm like, uh-huh. I'm like, Oh, is that just someone from <laughs> like the, the first one that got mixed in there? But yeah, that was Kate Siegel that was playing Viola. Yeah. Going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mention did it before. An excellent job playing that character she was phenomenal and her sister um oh it was her sister her name was very uncommon and perdita perdita willoughby her sister mm-hmm. um was a pretty awesome character too and you actually you see her at one point um and in the last episode what her ghost looks like with um uh, with the you know erased face and and all that so yeah, very cool backstory. I would have loved to see more of that, but I'm sure that hopefully there's another one coming out. And um, I, I definitely hope they come out with another season and don't just yeah. leave it like this and kind of yeah. clarify more things. I hope so too. I hope so too. And I would even welcome just another haunting of, you know, something else just to add to this. I agree. So yeah, I'd love to see more um, from this uh, series or this iteration or this, you know, um, set of stories as a whole all right ladies and gentlemen we are about to wrap it up uh don't forget that this show is one of the shows for the epic Airways podcast network scarathon our first annual scarathon again your word for this episode is got um so the episode name and the word to andy doyle and then see if you can put all the words together uh to form a sentence and win a prize also don't forget about the amalgam market where you can buy action figures and comic books and t-shirts. We also make custom shirts. So if you um, want a particular character on a shirt, we can arrange that for you. Just go to the market and click on custom t-shirts or send me a message directly. Um, We have the Halloween tournament coming up. So the tournament um, starts on Monday, the 26th. So beginning of the last week of October, is when the tournament's going to be running. Um, Jorge Valdez and James Milliken are running the tournament this year. They already have some character sketches coming up. Tried to get some new and interesting characters in there as opposed to um, the standard ones that most people are familiar with. So you get a chance to see some lesser known horror figures, which is pretty awesome. Shelly, you have anything you uh, want to plug or shout out? 
Um, I mean, just stay tuned with more Amalga Cast and Amalga Files is coming out with some really cool episodes too. Uh, buy the merch, you can't see it, but I'm sporting one of our, our lovely Amalga Beauty shirts right oh, now. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited about that Amalga Beauty shirt, so I'm glad, you know, you're, you're loving it. <laughs> oh, I loved it so much. I was so excited when Ian gave it to me. I'm like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to post some pictures so you guys can see the shirts, and those will be in the market too. So stay tuned. Um, I'll be posting links as the shirts are added to the market. Um, and that is it for this episode of Amount and Cast. Thank you so very much for joining us. If you have ideas for future episodes, please let us know. Um, and take care and stay tuned for all the great shows that are coming up between now and the end of October and for um, our podcast in general. We have a lot of talent, a lot of great topics, um, and we love participation. So until the next episode, you guys take care.